Do I need to introduce myself this morning? (laughs) My name is Ed Baker. I used to be on staff here at Orchard. I'm now fully retired as of September 1st. Can you tell by looking at me? (laughs) Fat and lazy. (laughs) Fun to smiling. (laughs) Well, uh, Orchard has been gracious enough to allow me to continue to do some teaching, so I'm thankful for that and glad to be with you today. Uh, Boy, we had some uh, wonderful worship to begin our service, didn't we? That second song was a new one to me. That was beautiful. And, and this is my father's world. That's been a favorite of mine all my life. Love, I love the line where it says, you know, all nature sings and round me rings the music of the spheres. What do you, what do you think that is? There's um, a movie called City of the Angels, which I'm not particularly recommending, but a, a great scene in it that really touched me is there are these angels on earth and every morning at sunrise they go and they stand on the beach and they listen to this incredibly beautiful music. Maybe it's the music of the spheres. And I think about the Bible talking about Jesus getting up you know, before dawn and going off by himself. Did he hear the music of the spheres? So thanks to our, our worship leaders. They are gifted uh, people. Well, I'm going to ask you a question today as we get going. And the, uh, the question is, uh, how important is Jesus in your life? I mean, would it make any difference to you if, if you didn't have a relationship with Jesus? Well, maybe some of you here today don't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're still kind of investigating Christianity, trying to kind of figure it out and haven't taken that step yet of becoming a disciple of His. But for those of you for whom Jesus is important, for whom he is the the center of your life, who changes the way you make decisions and treat your spouse and spend your money and uh, all of life, for those of you for whom Jesus is central and enriching and vital in your life, it's to you I want to address my thoughts today particularly. Because it seems to me that when there is something good and exciting and enriching in our lives, we want to share it, don't we? We want to share it with the people that we care about. For instance, just as an off-the-top-of-my-head example, White Castle hamburgers would be a, a good example. I, I, I love White Castle hamburgers. I grew up on them. They, uh, they made me the man I am today. My doctor says if I will eat them regularly, I'll live to be a hundred. I made up that last part. But the rest of it, and people who know me know I love White Castle hamburgers, right? Because I easily and naturally talk about them a lot. I crave them sometimes. I literally, literally dream about White Castle hamburgers sometimes. And people who know me well, who are in Minneapolis or Chicago, often bring them back for me. So... It seems as if sharing what is important and good in our lives with people we care about ought to be easy and natural. 
But it seems like it isn't always that way with Jesus, right? I mean, even for those of us for whom Jesus is the core of our life, who are really saying, I want to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, talking to other people about it can sometimes be tough, isn't it? I mean, it is a little different than talking about this really good book you read or this new restaurant you discovered. It seems like when we talk about Jesus, it's I don't know, kind of a personal thing, and maybe it's going to lead into areas like sin or hell, or it's going to lead to some kinds of, you know, theological questions that we don't really feel prepared to answer. Well, we are in the middle of a series, a three-week series, um, in which we're talking about, are there ways that we can become more comfortable in helping people become fully devoted followers of Christ? That's our our goal, our mission as a church, isn't it? To help people become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Now, how do we do that? And what we're going to be looking at today is that often the Bible says that that's a process by which people come into a relationship with Jesus. And we're going to be talking about a part of that process, which is serving others. In fact, I want to suggest to you that when we lovingly serve others in Jesus' name, that God uses that to bring people closer to himself. In fact, I want that truth to sink into us so much, I'd like for you to read it with me out loud. Let's do that. When we lovingly serve others in Jesus' name, God uses that to bring people closer to himself. So when the Apostle Paul was writing to some of the first century Christians in the city of Corinth, and a lot of people had been involved in their coming to Christ in the establishment of the church there, including um, another theologian, a contemporary of Paul's, an evangelist named Apollos. And so in the third chapter of 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about that process this way. He says, you know, what after all is Apollos? What is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord is assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building Jesus came to serve others. He makes that really clear throughout the Bible. In in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus says this, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Luke records Jesus saying this in his account of the life of Jesus. Jesus said, I am among you as one who serves. Sometimes when I think about this, it is astounding to me. And we're talking about the God of the universe, the creator of everything that exists, the one who is eternal, who had no beginning and has no end, who is always the same, who is so majestic and glorious and powerful and knowledge and all of these amazing things about him that we can't even begin to understand. That being not only became a human being, but he came to be a servant. And that servant would even lead him to a servant's death on the cross, giving his life in service for us. Jesus came to serve. Then when I think about it that way, 
the experience of the disciples on that last night with Jesus before his crucifixion just moves me deeply. I mean, here are these guys who've come to believe that Jesus, this carpenter rabbi from Nazareth in Galilee, was actually the prophesied son of God. He was the long-awaited Messiah that God said he would send to bring redemption and through whom we would be able to come back into a relationship with God. They called him their Lord and Savior, their master, their teacher. And this one that they held in such high regard takes upon himself the role of a servant and he takes off his outer garment and he gets down on his knees in front of them and he takes those dirty, calloused, stinking feet and he unties their sandals and he takes them off and he washes their feet. I mean, no wonder the disciples were uncomfortable with Jesus in that kind of a role. One by one, he does it to each one of them. And then the Bible says he went back to his place at the head of the table. And listen to what he said in John 13. It says, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and he returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. I mean, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now, if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a master greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Serving others was at the heart of who Jesus was and why he came And in fact, to make sure we understand the importance of this, Jesus told a story, maybe the most frightening, awesome story in the Bible. Jesus said that someday we would see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of glory with all His angels with Him, and He would sit on His glorious throne, and before Him would be gathered all the nations of the world, and He would divide them one from the other. As a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he would put his sheep on his right hand. And then he would say to them, Come, you blessed of my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me to drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Sick and in prison, and you visited me. And then the righteous will say to him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or, or, or thirsty and give you to drink? When did we see you as a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you, sick or in prison and visit you? And then he will say to them, Inasmuch as you did it to the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. And then turning to those on his left, he will say to them, Depart from me, you evildoers. For I was hungry, and you did not feed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. And then they will say to him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and not feed you, or thirsty, or naked and not clothe you, or sick or in prison and not visit you? And he will say to them, Inasmuch as you did it not to the least of these, my brothers, you did it not to me. 
Jesus is really serious about this, isn't it? It's not just a, a, a suggestion. This is the command that Jesus gives to us. You see, I washed your feet. Now, I'm giving you an example. Now, you are to go and wash others' feet. And someday, Jesus will hold us accountable for how we cared for the poor and the needy. The child without a father, the displaced person, the lonely person, you know, all of the needs that are around us, we are going to be held accountable for that because that is at the heart of God, at the heart of who God is. So I want to suggest to you today that serving others lovingly in the name of Jesus is one of the things that God can use to bring other people closer to himself. This is it a motivating factor for me that Jesus says when I do something good for somebody else it's as if I am doing it for him I see Jesus in them and so God is able to use my compassion or my hospitality or my generosity or my courage or whatever it is to not only serve someone else but the amazing thing is the flip side of that that when I do that they are able to see Jesus in me. So what did Jesus say in the Sermon on the Mount? He said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and give glory to you. No, give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And so I'm motivated as I see someone in need because I see Jesus in them. And when I lovingly serve them in Jesus' name, they see Jesus in me. And God is able to use that to draw him closer to himself And that has been a hallmark of the church for 2,000 years. Within weeks of the time that Jesus came back to life after his crucifixion and went back to heaven to be with his Father, very shortly the church began to realize the importance of loving and serving and caring for one another. And they appointed godly, spirit-filled men whose sole responsibility would be to make sure that those needs were being met, that the church was indeed reaching out to help those who are in need. The Apostle Paul, when he went on his missionary journeys, went not just to tell people about Jesus and establish Christian churches, he went to serve. And one of the things that he did was encourage those Christians to give generously to those who are in need so that he was able to take their offerings and gifts back to Jerusalem to share with the needy who were suffering incredibly intense persecution and suffering because their faith in Jesus Christ. And that has been the mark of the church for 2,000 years. In the Middle Ages, when the plague swept through Europe, killing tens of thousands of people, when everybody was fleeing from the cities in fear of their lives, who was it who stayed and cared for the sick and the dying and who gave burials of, of respect and decency to those who had died? Who was it who stayed there? It was Christians. And in our own day, who went to the slums of Calcutta, to the poorest of the poor, the untouchable caste, and reached out to them in the name of Jesus Christ? It was Christian people, followers of Jesus Christ, their Savior, who also had given them an example when he reached out and touched the untouchable lepers of his own day. And as Ebola has broken out in our own day, I hope you have noticed who were the people who were there in West Africa, already there, serving the needs of the poor and the hungry and the sick. It was Christians. Samaritan's Purse, a Christian compassion organization founded by Billy Graham's son, Franklin. They were there. And who were the first two Americans infected with that terrible disease? It was Christian missionaries. 
serving in the name of Jesus Christ. And I guarantee you that someday they will stand before Jesus Christ and He will say to them, Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the earth. For I was sick and you cared for me. If all that is true, then how do we follow that example? Well, I want to share with you a couple things uh, that help me, because sometimes I find it hard. I am, uh, by nature, a selfish, self-centered person. I am. I hold on too tightly to my time and my resources. How do we follow the example and the command of Jesus? If we believe that when we do that, we not only honor Jesus, but we do something that God can use to bring people closer to himself. Well, one of the things that helps me is seeing in people in need, not just Jesus, but people that I, that I love and care about. My, uh, my brother, my younger brother, dropped out of college and just bummed around the country for a year, hitchhiking around, and he just tells amazing stories about people who were so generous and kind and good to him, who went out of their way for him. And he tells horrible stories, you know, about hour after hour, standing on the roadside, you know, the freezing rain and drizzle, watching the cars go by. And, and I tell you this, and I, it is literally true, I never pass a hitchhiker without thinking, that could be my brother. You know, that is somebody's brother. I had an out-of-town wedding a few uh, weekends ago, and so on Saturday afternoon I uh, had time to kill. So what do you do when you got time to kill in a town you've never been to before? I, I went to Walmart. And... Um, so as I'm driving in the parking lot, um, there's a guy, a foreign-looking man standing there holding a sign that, that said, uh, I need money for gas and food. And sitting beside him um, on the grass, there was a very pregnant-looking woman. So I went into Walmart and wasted some time and some money. And uh, So when I came out, I felt like Jesus was saying to me, um, I want you to, uh, to give the guy some money. So as I was driving out, I uh, um, put down my window and I held some money up to him and he came over and, and I said to him, um, I, I think Jesus wants me to give this to you. And I gave him the money. You know? Because I've thought about people that I love and care about who have been uh, without enough money to meet their needs too. And it moved my heart. So... When I'm in a high V line and there's a very elderly man up at the front and he's obviously confused and he's fumbling around with his money rather than getting impatient or even angry, I think to myself, well, that was, that's my dad the last couple of years of his life. And I hope when he was in that situation, rather than people becoming angry with him, that somebody stepped up to help him. And I step up and ask if there's anything I can do. So that's one of the things that helps me anyway, seeing people I love in the people in need. The second thing I, I've got to do is to ask God to change my heart, because I think my heart is not naturally attuned to the needs of the poor. And in fact, as I was working on this teaching the last few weeks, I realized I don't pray that prayer often enough, so I'm trying to do it more 
because I realize that, as Paul said in that passage that we read at the beginning, you know, it's really God who is at work. And so I have to ask, you know, God to, to change my heart, to soften my heart toward those in need. One other thing that I would mention in closing, and that is that uh, if I believe that my act of kindness and love can actually be used by God to help move people closer to himself, then I want them to know that I'm doing this because I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I want to find some way to kind of let them know that Jesus is the source of, of love in my life. So when I hand the guy some money, I, I will say... You know, this is in the name of Jesus. I give this to you because of Jesus. Is that hokey? Is that dumb? I don't know. Was he taking advantage of me? Maybe. When he turned around, was he laughing at me behind my back? Uh, maybe. But that doesn't really matter, does it? I think this came home to me most clearly a couple years ago when I pitched, picked up a hitchhiker named Chris. I've told you this story before. I was coming back from Cedar Rapids, and I got about where the Elk Run Truck Plaza is, and there was a guy hitchhiking. And so I pulled over, and he ran up to the car, and he threw his duffel bag in the back seat, and he got in the car, and we shook hands, and I introduced myself, and he said his name was Chris. I asked him how things were going. He said, well, it started out really well. He said yesterday it had only taken him two hours to get from Iowa City up to Evansdale, and he thought he's making good progress. But then he'd spent the next 24 hours in that truck stop asking every single trucker and every single person with a car if they would give him a ride, and nobody would. For 24 hours, he had nothing to eat, nothing to, no place to sleep. He had no money. And so in desperation, he'd come back out to the highway again, and I'd picked him up. So I asked him where he's going, and he said, um, Montana. So I was planning just to drop him off in Cedar Falls. <laughs> but I'm thinking, okay, maybe I should take him a little farther than that. So I said, well, um, listen, I'll take you to, to Highway 14. There's another truck stop there, and you know, maybe that'd be a good place for you to get a ride. So here are Chris and I riding in the car, two shy introverts who don't know each other, Neither of us saying anything, you know, this sort of awkward silence, mile after mile after mile as we, as we drove. And what I'm thinking in my mind, what I'm feeling is, um, is there some way, some non-offensive kind of way that maybe I could let Chris know that I'm a Christian and I'm a follower of Jesus and I picked him up because of that. So we got to Highway 14, and I pulled off and pulled down into the, into the truck stop, and Chris is getting out of the car, and thought, this is it, now or never. So I, I said, um, would it be okay if I prayed for you, Chris? And okay. So right away, his weird meter is probably starting to inch its way up. So I just prayed for Chris, maybe like two sentences, just God help him to... Um, connect with somebody who can give him a ride uh, home and uh, keep him safe because there's a lot of evil and bad stuff out there. Amen. So then I look over and Chris is crying, really crying, tears rolling down his cheeks. So now what do I do? So uh, I didn't do anything. So Chris opened the door and got out of the car. And before he closed the door, he leaned back in and he said, Nobody in my life has ever prayed for me before. So I gave him some money and wished him well and drove back home. I have no idea what, 
what happened in Chris's life. I will maybe never know. But I feel like my lovingly serving him in the name of Jesus Christ allowed God that opportunity to maybe bring him a little closer to himself. And so maybe you don't feel real comfortable you know, saying to somebody, if you die today, would you go to heaven? Or the kind of you know, evangelistic questions that we talk about some of the time. But maybe you would be comfortable just sharing the love of Jesus with someone and maybe even finding a way to let them know that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. That's a goal that I have for myself, uh, for us as a church, and uh, for you as my friends. So I'd like for us to, uh, to pray together as we close. Uh, Jesus, you are, are more important to us than White Castles, you know, and I, I don't have trouble talking about them, but sometimes it feels awkward talking about you, um, even with people that we love and care about, or maybe especially with people that we love and care about. But I believe, Lord, that if we follow Jesus' example and command to serve others lovingly in his name, that we can be a part of that amazing process of of planting a seed and watering the plant and watching it grow and someday bringing in that harvest of souls into your kingdom. So today, um, I and I think maybe a lot of us here today want to recommit ourselves to being a part of that process and uh, serving you and serving others in that way. Thank you for that amazing example you gave to us, Jesus. It is in your name that we pray. Amen.